Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need-to-know political news and tea. So as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome back to Top Stories of the Week. Samantha, how was your weekend? It was, it happened. It was, it was a thing. <laughs> How was yours? Mine was, it was fun, but it was really sad yesterday. The Niners got absolutely crushed in the playoffs and we're out. And that's not what I expected, not what I wanted. I guess this year wasn't our year. We'll I am so sorry for your Thank loss you. in you. this time of just tragic football escapades I don't I was really trying to like with the tongue make that more creative and I just Mm -hmm. that's where it fell and the Philly fans just don't make it easy they're crazy they're nuts I know that I we know I don't touch football with a 10-foot pole and Mm -hmm. I know they're nuts yeah yeah and you know what too my I actually usually like they're on my like list of like top five teams that like I would support Niners are number one but my grandpa, fun fact, played for the Eagles back in literally like fucking the 60s. I don't know, 70s. <laughs> Long time ago. But I'm always like have them in the back of my mind. Like I'll support them if the Niners aren't there. But after yesterday, I'm just like, I don't know if I can support. Oh, mm. well, you are mm. wearing a green sweatshirt, the legendary green sweatshirt uh-huh. that if you guys don't know, I make fun of Maddie all the time for this because there is this phase like, I don't know, maybe like a month ago where it did not matter what time of day, what week mm-hmm. it was, what day it was, that a TikTok was made or meeting. Maddie like showed up in the screen sweatshirt every single time to this point. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you do you have any other sweatshirts? What happened to all the girl <laughs> in the gub ones? I was like, I swear. So, I, I don't need you to call me out did. that hard. Okay. You know, it's, it is what it is. It's, She's my trusty vintage. She is cute and it's a great sweatshirt and it's so comfortable. And I'm a big, I love, yeah, I love green items. Like I've had like this new resurgence in my life, probably in the past like year or two where I'm like, oh my God, green is the color. We should do our next merch launch should involve green. Say less. Like absolutely. Like obviously you guys know that our brand colors are pink, but it could be, it could be pink and green, like pink writing, like light pink on a green. Mm-hmm. And then it's doing, you know how we want to do that like tennis theme scenario at some point. Mm-hmm. And yep. then, yep. Okay. Yep. Perfect. I'm obsessed. We do we- need to do a merch launch soon. I feel like it's been too long as far as like, you know, our OG girl yeah. on the gov merch. We'll, we'll start working. If you guys have any requests, anything you would be interested in seeing from a merch launch from us, mm-hmm. do let us know because we can kick off that project here. here and soon. also to that point, we're always trying to keep costs down for you guys so that things are actually like affordable and accessible. 
And obviously, in this crazy world, everything is, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, eggs are Biden's America. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Someone new to the show is going to be like, are they Republican? No, 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 no. We are not confirmed. Um, We did get that in our DMs recently, too. And I was like, what in the world about our profiles? (laughs) Is that if anyone just looked for 30 more seconds? seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little more effort. You the context clues sometimes just don't. There was, wait, there's one thing I wanted to say on this. And then one thing that that reminded me of just in like the pop culture realm that's blew my mind this morning, which I guess counts as a mini top story. But let us know in terms of sweatshirts, what the cap is for you guys. Like, is it 40? Is it 45? We, like I said, we're always trying to do our best to keep things down as much as we can, but we just want to have a better idea too of what is in range with also keeping the quality of the pieces you buy up to like we don't want Mm -hmm. you guys to buy something be like this is crap and it falls apart in two seconds either yeah so nonetheless it's always a balance trying to figure it out probably won't get perfect every time but keep us keep us in the loop like what's in mind and also also for next purchases like are you guys shopping for spring i know we're at this awkward time where it's like we're recording this on cold. January thirtieth. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be literally out there. Like almost negatives this week. It's oh, I saw like in New York, it's gonna be like six degrees or something crazy. So cool. I went on a walk this morning and it was like forty-four degrees, which is just the lowest it gets here. But there was like a wind, so it really gave me like a little like brain freeze. I was like, it is Ooh. cold out here. Dislike, dislike. Well, speaking of dislike, I just wanted to tap my one mini top story, which I was texting you about earlier. Mm-hmm. I went on Twitter because I was pulling together an overview, like some questions for an upcoming interview of ours. And I was looking at like this person and their background, which we'll give you guys details very soon. But regardless, the trending topics on the side of Twitter, and keep in mind, like I'm not a Twitter girl, like I even pre Elon, not my spot. Not our spot either. We tried our Twitter for three seconds. Who am I kidding? But the trending thing is testicle. And I cannot, for the life of me, I was going through, I was like, why is this trending? What what happened now? So I'm trying to like look through and I still can't figure out why it was trending. And I saw a few things talking about like Tucker Carlson's testicle tanning. And then, which just. It's just never a headline you want to see. No. Which never... wait, oh my god, I don't know how I forgot to mention this, and I totally meant to forward this to you. But I guess Eminem's little taking the characters away and having mm-hmm. I forget who they picked for spokesperson. Fox News is like favorite bit these days, except for they it was actually just a whole PR stunt, and they're not doing that. And I guess the characters are going to be in their Super Bowl ad. Shut Iconic. Up. Iconic. Shut up. <gasps> oh my god, I can't I look- wait for that. I was like kind of shocked when they pulled it because if anything, here's like the thing, as much as Fox is being so insane, like actually genuinely, like I can't even fathom the thoughts going through their brains about the sexualization of M&Ms and all this bullshit is it gives M&M so much free press and PR. I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, yes, don't get me wrong. Like, the whole conversation around it is so annoying because it's so absurd. And I'm sure from an element, like, someone on their team is like, oh, my God, can we just get them to shut up? But at the same time, it's genius. Genius. No, it's genius. I feel like that's really been an interesting marketing tactic from brands Mm -hmm. across across the game. Talking about Lashgate, we don't need to get into it. 
but I'm really confused about Lashgate. I think it's so stupid. It's so stupid, but we won't get into it. But the controversy surrounding, you know, an ad or a brand, like it does get the views, does get the engagement, especially in these social media days, like a comment's a comment, a share is a share, a view's a view, you know? Speaking of views, while we have you guys, make sure to go check out our TikTok at Girl on the Gov. And we also have a YouTube channel also at Girl on the Gov. Make sure you are subscribed there. It's super easy, especially if you have a Gmail account. Just hit subscribe. We'll let you log in that way. So you can always check back for videos or even if like you're not a big video person, but occasionally, you know, you want to see a little bit more. Perfect. Mm. Do it to it. Well, we can get into these stories. We have a few that we... Definitely need to talk about, definitely need to share thoughts, definitely need to inform you all over. So kicking it off is the story that I think everyone is talking about, sweeping the nation, Tyree Nichols, and just this resurgence of a conversation around police reform that is very necessary. So an unarmed black man dies after a videotape beating by police. The officers involved are fired after a thorough review of the evidence. Criminal charges are swiftly filed against the offending officers, investigation, accountability, and charges. This is often the most black citizens can hope for as deaths continue. Nationwide, police have killed roughly three people per day consistently since 2020, according to academics and advocates for police reform who track such deaths. Tyree Nichols' fatal encounter with police officers in Memphis, Tennessee, recorded in video made public Friday night, is a glaring reminder that efforts to reform policing have failed to prevent more flashpoints in an intractable epidemic of brutality. So nearly 32 years ago, Rodney King, savage beating by police in Los Angeles, prompted heartfelt calls for change. They've been repeated in a ceaseless rhythm ever since. Punctuated by the deaths of Oscar Grant in Oakland, California, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, and so many others. George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis in 2020 was so agonizing to watch it summoned a national reckoning that featured federal legislation proposed in his name and shows of solidarity by corporations and sports leagues all fell short of the shift in law enforcement culture black people in america have called for a culture that promotes freedom from fear trust in police and mutual respect jason turner who is senior pastor of mississippi boulevard christian church in, Mem- in memphis said we need public safety right we need law enforcement to combat pervasive crime also we don't want the people who are sworn to protect us and serve us brutalizing us for a simple traffic stop or any offense. So the five black officers are now fired and charged with murder and other crimes in the January 10 death of Nichols, a 29-year-old skateboarder, FedEx worker, and father to a four-year-old boy. From police brass and the district attorney's office to the White House, officials said Nichols' killing points to a need for bolder reforms that go beyond simply diversifying the ranks, changing use of force rules, and encouraging citizens to file complaints. The world is watching us, Shelby County District Attorney Steve Mulroy said. If there is any silver lining to be drawn from this very dark cloud, it's that perhaps this incident can open a broader conversation about the need for police reform. President Joe Biden joins national civil rights leaders in similar calls to action. The president said, to deliver real change, we must have accountability when law enforcement officers violate their oaths, and we need to build lasting trust between law enforcement, the vast majority of whom wear the badge honorably, and the communities they are sworn to serve and protect. 
But Memphis, whose 628,000 residents celebrate barbecue and blues music and lament being the place where Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, has seen this before. The city took steps advocates called for a, a quote, reimagine policing initiative in 2021 and mirrored a set of policy changes reformers want all departments to implement immediately known as eight can't wait. De-escalation training is now required. Officers are told to limit use of force, exhaust all alternatives before resorting to deadly force, and report all uses of force. Tennessee also took action. State law now requires officers to intervene to stop abuse and report excessive force by their colleagues. Showing unusual transparency for a police department, the MPD now publishes accountability reports that include the race of people subjected to use of force each year. They show Black men and women are overwhelmingly targeted for rougher treatment in 2019, 2020, and 2021. They were subject to 86% of the recorded use of guns, batons, pepper spray, physical beatings, and other force in 2021. The total near doubling that a year to 1,700 cases. Seven uses of force by Memphis police ended in death during these years. And also states have approved nearly 300 police reform bills after George Floyd's murder, creating civilian oversight of police, more anti-bias training, stricter use of force limits, and alternatives to arrests in cases involving people with mental illnesses, according to a recent analysis by the Howard Center of Investigative Journalism. And still stuck in Congress is the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, which would prohibit racial profiling, ban chokeholds, and no-knock warrants, limit the transfer of military equipment to police departments, and make it easier to bring charges against offending officers. Biden said he told Nichols' mother that he would be, quote, making a case to Congress to pass the Floyd Act to get this under control. Advocates also want state and federal legislation because local changes vary widely in scope and effect and can be undone by a single election after years of grassroots activism. But some say strict regulations are just the start and the video of Nichols' agony proves it. The five officers charged were part of the so-called Scorpion Unit. The Scorpion stands for the street crimes, operations to restore peace in our neighborhoods. And Memphis Police Chief disbanded the unit on Saturday and said it is in the best interest of all to permanently deactivate the Scorpion Unit, she said in a statement. This whole situation is another dark one. I did not watch the video, but I was saw that the police chief also called it what did we say she said it was um, depraved of humanity or yeah like defies humanity how fucking brutal this killing was and yeah it's just interesting too to like read this story and kind of see that there has been reforms state local and not federal technically yet um but that it's still a pervasive problem and the question of like how to move forward is going to be interesting given that there have been actual tangible policies that have been passed, but it's like, there's also this like major cultural shift that needs to happen within police departments. I think that is still kind of missing. I think. Yeah. Well, I think part of the issue too, it's like this whole system is built on like white supremacy. Like you have literally like a system that used to be like, that was formed around capturing runaway slaves. So the idea that like a system that started in that is going to evolve and honestly in not that much time like not that yeah. much time has passed since like the end of slavery let alone like jim crow like all of these things like that somehow that system and its internal workings and the people in it and the culture is going to shift like i just i i feel like so many of the reforms that have been tried show that like that isn't 
working. And I Mm -hmm. not only think that this George Floyd policing act needs to go through, but like something larger. And I don't have the answers Mm -hmm. because like, I do very much see the need for having some type of organization that helps protect people and is called when something is wrong or people are in danger. But like, as we have it now, like we have this police force in, you know, local and federal and state levels that doesn't really do a good job as far as I'm concerned at protecting people, nor like, and as we saw with like Uvalde, which is a totally different scenario that we learned that they actually don't have to protect people. Like that is not a requirement of their job, which is really conflicting to like how we're all brought up, whether it's Mm -hmm. in a like no matter, you know, what the scenario, the general gist is supposed to be like, the cops are the good guys. Like, go to the cops if there's a problem. And, like, so much of the time, they're not the good guys. And this being a great example of that. Or could look at, like, the rate of which, like, police officers are, you know, attributed to domestic violence cases. Or how they've become also, like, hubs to, you know, these white supremacist groups. I mean, it's, like, one of these yeah. things where it, it's, I don't know which all of these things are terrible individually and together. And it creates this problem that to me looks like you need to start fresh. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I, and again, I don't have the the exact answers, but these things it's how many people have to continually die. I mean, I feel like yeah. the, this type of thing goes hand in hand in a, the way I feel about it way with gun violence in the U S like we continually look at, both of these issues and somehow are continually desensitized mm-hmm. in, a, in a way and are like not seeing any change. We're seeing the police continue to kill our friends of color. Mm-hmm. And then we're continuing to see like people gunned down in mass shootings all the time or even smaller shootings with guns because we won't do anything about it or the steps yeah. that we take are well, so I think it's also... that it doesn't help. Yeah. And I think it's also the way we approach it. Like, culturally but like politically is like it just becomes immediately like an us versus them instead of like realizing that it's both are such comprehensive issues and need to be addressed at all angles and it's like policing is a really hard like honorable job but like there's also this group of people who have been continuously like literally killed by this group so it's like how do we approach this though comprehensively so that a solution can actually come about because when you do start to point fingers or call people bad guys it's like it's just hard i think to finally like get everyone on the same page to get to a solution it's just like really shitting but i think in this specific situation too the way in which it was six officers who sat there and either participated or didn't do anything to stop it that's like unacceptable as in a police department. Yeah. You should not, if if there is a bad actor, there should be people immediately there to step in and make sure that bad actor is not continuing to badly act. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> but the way that there's yeah. six people there and everyone's guilty for this, it's, it's baffling that like that's I think the most shocking part it's like to have like you know the bad apples conversation thing is kind of like something you just have to expect in life there's bad people out there but in this specific situation to see six people participate in that 
brutal, brutal killing of someone who by no means deserved it. Like, it's just really disheartening to see. And I think it just feeds into a bigger conversation about like culture and how we, what kind of cultures are created within police departments that like they could literally have six people and no, no one's there to say, Hey, this is enough. Stop. It's crazy. Absolutely the, wild. The group think element of it too is like yes, so totally. scary and creepy and weird. And the whole thing is just, I mean, it's- we just need like so many psychologists to, like come and dissect this whole issue. Like, I feel like it's just such like a, it's just so much to unpack. It really is. And I, yeah, I, I just, the whole thing is really vile and the problem too. It's like, this is also just one that happens to have like gotten a lot of media attention and rightfully so they all should because none of these people should be murdered at the hands of police. Like, mm-hmm. but it is, I, I feel like, again, it, it kind of falls, it has parallels to the mass shooting situation in the U.S. where it's like every fifth ver- you know, one gets a big media attention moment and mm-hmm. then we're desensitized to the next five mm-hmm. and then another one happens and then we all decide to talk about it again and there's a lot of media on it and then again it happens, five more happen and we're desensitized and it's this cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it goes yeah. just back to like we need to stop this cycle and I, I just I, I think I'm like without words that's a certain no, totally point it's hard to continue to talk about it but what we can do is give some some action items I think sure. one thing is to definitely call your reps and tell them to pass the George Floyd Act that's sitting been sitting in Congress yeah it needs to be we have right now um, reintroduced let me just yeah note that also I do know that Cory Booker has been a part of conversations about introducing a larger bill than just this particular one but like with the like bullet points of the george floyd policing act included so Mm -hmm. i know something is being introduced soon that's what i was reading this morning and yesterday as well so there should be something coming that said and we'll try and keep you guys updated as we see that put it on back on your bullshit bullshit oh my god but in the meantime your reps and, will know what this particular bill is, so it's still worth calling yeah. and sharing your support for it because that means that it will, in a, in essence, count as support for you know whatever is actually drawn up and put on the floor. Yes, and Including always look to whatever. to your local local government as well. Your mayors are usually in charge, uh, police department funding all the things. So there is work to be done at the local level for sure. And making sure there's, you know, civilian oversight of police, anti-bias training, use of force limits, all the things. So also look there. That is definitely, I think, a, a more immediate thing we can do as well. It's usually a little faster at the local level, as we know, things, solutions getting done. So yes, we will provide some some links and such or the switchboard number in the episode description. Perfect. Okay. Well, I gave you this, I gave you this one this time. Maddie's, I don't know what what I did to deserve mm-hmm. this. <laughs> Ugh, the debt limit, the debt limit. Samantha gets the wonky story this week. So cool. Like I, you know, that's the last time I do something nice. I don't know what nice thing I did. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If anything, okay. I've been the nice one 
reading these boring stories. You are basically Jesus. And I would like to thank you for your service. I agree. Also, before we get into this, if you're like, wait, what is this debt limit story? Go listen to last week's top stories episode is like your primer. You can skip ahead to that specific story and just listen to that. Do it as like part one to this. That way you'll be up to speed and know what we're we're yakking about over here. But nonetheless, if you are up to speed, let's get into it. So Biden and Kevin McCarthy will meet on Wednesday, their first one-on-one session of the 118th Congress. It marks the kickoff of what's likely to be a months-long showdown over the debt limit, federal spending, and the deficit. Okay, so here's the situation, though. McCarthy views even sitting down with Biden as a win, while White House officials continue to make clear that the president isn't negotiating over the debt limit, which I just think is, like, so interesting that McCarthy McCarthy, <laughs> McCarthy is like, oh, I get to sit down with Biden. I get to go to the White House. Like, I don't know. There's something about it that's I know. Kinda, it's not uh, the energy I was expecting from him, honestly. I thought he would be, like, eye-rolling, like, ugh, I have to go talk to him. Yeah. I mean, I think it like, I guess symbolically from there and looks like there's room to wiggle or something. And that's how they're viewing it. I wouldn't have expected again, that sort of POV, but alas. And he said on Face the Nation on Sunday, I know the president said he didn't want to having discussions, but I think it's very important that our whole government is designed to find compromise. Which, like, yes, but just so funny coming from him of all people is hilarious. I couldn't agree more with that statement, but like... All words. He's all, words, all bark. No actions. Oh no. All bark, no bite. I have puppy fever, clearly. Yeah. Clear. Yeah. Nonetheless. Don't we all? Hey, at least you have access to three paparoos. I know. I'm so lucky. I know. My blessings. Well, nonetheless, McCarthy told Margaret Brennan that he doesn't want a default, yet House Republicans are demanding tens of billions of dollars in spending cuts that Democrats will reject. McCarthy, why do I keep saying McCarthy? This like is McGarthy. That's how I like think of it. Okay. McGarthy. Oh my God. I really can't. What is wrong with me? McCarthy says he won't touch Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid, and other entitlement programs weren't mentioned. And the Pentagon budget is on the table at least as far as waste, quote unquote, waste is concerned. Also, just a side note, entitlements mean like you are entitled to that money because you paid into it. Everyone pays into these systems. So the idea of like taking away someone's entitlement that they rightfully placed their money in and or were required to because that's how like taxes and paychecks in america work like that is ridiculous to me ridiculous yeah just take away the money that someone paid into that's their money their entitlement they're entitled to that's why it's called an entitlement nonetheless this does lead to the obvious question where does this all end up in a number of ways this sounds a lot like the 2011 and the lead up to what became the budget control act something I could use in my life. And two of the key players. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Nice. That Thank was you. good. Thank I you. think everyone can relate to that as well. Yep. It's just in this economy and the two of the key players and then cut up and two of the key players in cutting that bipartisan deal are still around Biden and Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell. I also, there's a part that's coming up in the story because I read this first thing this morning that absolutely sent me and I'm so curious if like you had the same vibe on it <laughs> okay McConnell who's noted the parallels of 2011 himself has been adamant that Biden and McCarthy need to take the lead on any debt limit negotiations 
Even though the debt ceiling could originate in either the House or the Senate, this current situation, the debt ceiling fix, if there is one or how it's to be dealt with, will have to come out, the House McConnell told reporters last week. I wish McCarthy well in talking to the president. Was that the part? I... Like the boys are fighting. Like it feels... I don't know if they've ever vibed, though. McCarthy I don't think they've ever vibed. I've never seen a picture where I've been like, ooh, chemistry. Like McConnell probably thinks that McCarthy is just like a like a one of those like, yeah, or just like annoying young, like young compared to McConnell. Just like. Looks like a little yappy dog. I mm-hmm, think that's how, totally. like a little kick point. Like he's like, what's this chihuahua doing next to me? Like, yeah. shut up. I very much. And I look, I'll agree with McConnell on that. You know, I'll agree <laughs> with the gobbler for once. Every once in a while it does happen. But I feel like this is very much being like McConnell. Being like, this is your problem. Good luck. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. helping. You got yourself into this mess. Good luck. As much as like what we'll run into here, giving a few more details, like what his team says, which is basically saying that McConnell's giving McCarthy space to try and make this work himself before getting involved, kind of being like, you know, the the parent that backs away and lets the kid try something else out and like figure <laughs> yeah. shit out on their own. It's definitely Yeah, giving- McConnell's giving like I'm the like wise the wise guy and you don't know what you're talking about right get your experience this is an opportunity for you to get experience (laughs) it's your time to grow and learn it's so that but nonetheless senate conservatives the self-styled breakfast club are arguing that mcconnell should insert himself into the talks if needed citing his past work with biden we'll also note that these are the same gop senators who have criticized mcconnell over the years for in their view caving to democrats when it comes to spending increases here's senator mike braun from indiana the Breakfast Club, we're out there speaking out, and hopefully that's reflective of our entire conference. I'm hopeful that Leader McConnell will be as involved as he was then. That McCarthy shows us what he's got over there as well. Ted Cruz of Texas was cryptic, saying only that time will tell whether McConnell should ultimately get involved. Cruz this week actually praised GOP leaders for standing strong in 2011, calling the Budget Control Act the most significant constraint in federal spending in modern times. Then we have Senator Josh Hawley, who he knows what manhood's about, but we we all know that's not the case. He also thinks he knows a thing or two about budgeting. Also, I would debate not the case. Who said Medicare and Social Security must be exempted and spending caps could be a step in the right direction. Hawley, though, warned any potential cuts to the Pentagon budget would be a problem for Senate Republicans. There's going to be a question about defense immediately, Hawley said. Just, Holly, please haul your ass back to Missouri and, you know, stay there. Exactly. Exactly. So there's that. Speaking of which, there's also a candidate already running against him. So go check that out. Go check that out, y'all. McConnell was instrumental in negotiating the BCA, which mandated caps and government spending as part of a deal to raise the debt ceiling. At the time, the balance of power in Washington was similar to what it is now, a GOP-run house a Democratic Senate, and a Democratic president. U.S. economy was also emerging from the Great Recession, which had seen the federal government rack up huge deficits. Biden then, as vice president, dealt directly with McConnell on the BCA effort after talks between Obama and Boehner had stalled. In his comments Tuesday, McConnell said the BCA actually worked at cutting spending for two years in a row. Several years later, both parties found themselves hamstrung by the deal politically and walked away from it. McConnell's deputies are echoing him on the House must go first approach with Senate Minority Whip John Thune said, saying we need to give McCarthy space to try and figure it out. McConnell's deputies are echoing him on the House must go first approach. Senate Minority Whip John Thune said we need to give McCarthy space to try to figure out if there's a path forward. And I think that's what McConnell is trying to do. 
Whether the McCarthy-Biden negotiations lead something similar to the BCA remains to be seen. McCarthy wants to cinch an agreement on budget caps, but that will be a tall order, especially since he has almost no relationship with Biden. Senate conservatives' desire for McConnell to be at least on standby can be interpreted as a reflection of that dynamic. Wonk, wonk, wonk. For one quick break in the wonkiness, can we just talk about this total spray tan mishap? Oh, I see it a little bit. Yep. What the fuck? But nonetheless, that's the wonky update on the debt limit for the week. Again, if you listening to that and you were like, huh, what's the debt limit? We did a good explainer last week on Top Stories. So you can go listen. You can fast forward and get to the, the hunk of that. But next story is a little Trump investigation update because former President Donald Trump and his allies have been put on notice by a prosecutor, but the warning didn't come from anyone at the Justice Department. It was a Georgia prosecutor who indicated she was likely to seek criminal charges soon in a two-year election subversion probe in trying to block the release of a special grand jury's report. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis argued in court last week that decisions in the case were, quote, imminent and that the report's publication could jeopardize the rights, quote, future defendants. Though Willis, a Democrat, didn't mention Trump by name, her comments marked the first time a prosecutor in any of the several current investigations tied to former President Donald Trump has hinted that charges could be forthcoming. The remarks ratcheted anticipation that an investigation focused in part on Trump's call with Georgia Secretary of State could conclude before ongoing federal probes. So... Clark Cunningham, who is a Georgia State University law professor, said, I expect to see indictments in Fulton County before I see any federal indictments. Besides the Georgia inquiry, Justice Department special counsel is investigating Trump over his role in working with allies to overturn his loss in the 2020 presidential election and his alleged mishandling of classified documents. Trump had appeared to face the most pressing legal jeopardy from the probe into the classified materials at Mar-a-Lago, and that threat still remains, but that case has now gotten complicated due to, or at least po- at least politically complicated due to the recent discovery of classified documents at Joe Biden's Delaware home and his Washington office, and now fucking Pence as well, and the Justice Department tapped a, a separate special counsel to investigate that matter. So Willis opened her office's investigation shortly after the release of a recording from January 2nd, 2021, with the phone call between Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. And in that conversation, Trump, if you remember, suggested that Raffensperger, a fellow Republican, could, quote, find votes needed to overturn Trump's narrow election loss in Georgia to Biden. And so the call, the famous quote was, All I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, Trump said on the call. And so since then, the investigation scope has broadened considerably, encompassing, among other things, a slate of Republican fake electors, phone calls by Trump and other and others to Georgia officials in the weeks after the 2020 election and unfounded allegations of widespread election fraud made to state lawmakers. And in an an interview, Trump insisted he did, quote, absolutely nothing wrong and that his phone call with Raffensperger was, quote, perfect. He said he felt, quote, very confident that he would not be indicted. Trump also said this. She's supposed to be stopping violent crime and that's her job, not to go after people for political reasons that did things absolutely perfectly. 
It is unclear how Willis's case will impact the Justice Department probes or what contact her team has had with federal investigators. And Justice Department prosecutors have been circumspect in discussing their investigations, offering little insight into how or when they might end. But Willis' comments indicate that Georgia investigation is on a path toward resolution with charges or not on a timetable independent of what the Justice Department is planning to do with their investigation, said some legal experts. So... What the biggest takeaway from this for me is because you know what I want in my mm-hmm. 2023 resolution is I saw I saw the term criminal charges soon and that's what be my interest with this story and there it is we'll see there there it is I I do agree I'll be curious you know this just continues to be a we'll keep you updated mm-hmm and if there's any takeaway that I have for any of this is I just feel like all of this stuff takes way longer than I ever could imagine being necessary. Yeah. You know what I always just think about, though? I'm like, can you imagine being any type of investigator? Like if it came to this mm-hmm. or like murder or like, you know, like really like following all the breadcrumbs and like getting, yeah, that's the fair. way that that's I can't fair. even act, like the way that I can't even sometimes find someone's email online. I'm like, how do investigators find some of this information? It's pretty wild. No, literally next level sleuthing. It's pretty crazy. Okay. Next story. Mass shootings continued. Look, we are mm-hmm. filled with joyful stories today. Filled. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not the joyous of top stories episodes, but necessary nonetheless. Exactly. Well, mass shootings have commanded public attention on a disturbingly frequent basis across the U.S. from a supermarket slaying in Buffalo, New York, to an elementary school tragedy in Uvalde, to a recent shooting at a California dance hall. Rather than provoking a unified response from elected officials, each additional shooting seems to be widening the political divide among states who should be allowed on who should be allowed to have guns and what types are okay. It's a wash, rinse, and repeat with these mass shootings, said Michael Anderson, a bartender who survived a mass shooting at a Colorado nightclub. They happen, and then they happen, and then they happen, and then nothing gets done. I definitely agree with that, Michael mm-hmm. Anderson. At least nothing at least nothing that has put a halt to the violence. In Democratic-led states with already restrictive gun laws, elected officials have responded to home state tragedies by enacting proposing even more limits on guns, doubling down on a belief that future shootings can be thwarted by controlling access to lethal weapons. In many states with Republican-led legislatures, recent high-profile shootings appear unlikely to prompt any new firearm restrictions this year, reflecting a belief that violent people, not their weapons, are the problem. Obviously, no one wants to see these tragedies occur, this loss of life, but how the problem is viewed and therefore what the response is to the problem is night and day different, said Daniel Webster, an American health professor affiliated with Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions. For the third straight year, the U.S. in 2022 recorded more than 600 mass shootings, which at least four people were killed or injured, according to the Gun Violence Archive. This year got off to another deadly start, including three California mass shootings in barely a week that killed two dozen people. A Saturday morning shooting in an upscale Los Angeles neighborhood that killed at least three and wounded four add to the grim toll. That despite the fact that California already has some of the nation's strictest gun laws. As more communities grieve, legislative sessions are getting underway in many states. Numerous gun-related bills already have been filed, but they don't all stand an equal chance of passing or of ultimately working. So-called assault weapon bans on certain semi-automatic weapons are among the most talked-about gun control measures. 
They do not seem to be associated with reductions in deadly mass shootings, according to the study by Webster and others that analyzed more than 600 mass shootings in 45 states from 1984 through 2017. The study excludes shootings related to gangs and drugs. See, I question this already because I do know that when we had a national assault weapons ban, there is an incredible decrease in the amount of shootings with assault weapons and therefore attributable deaths. And when it expired, it shot up over 200%. So, well, yeah, I think that's the thing too, is that in this, this article, like we're, we'll link it in the episode description. I highly suggest like people reading through it because we didn't include everything, but it basically runs through to like each shooting in these different states because each state has such different gun laws. And it's like, we can't actually get a study with any kind of conclusive answer because we don't have a federal assault weapons ban like we did and we have that experience that you just mentioned but like because there isn't one recently saying that assault weapons being banned won't do much is not even i don't think a valid conclusion because we don't really have anything to base it off of except for that one from the 90s or whatever i think i said this last week but i like stand by it is like if you have states where they are legal exactly people are going to go to those states if someone is a violent actor really wants to commit a violent act i think their commitment to that is next level always Mm -hmm. they're going to drive to whatever fly to whatever state and get whatever weapons they desire to purchase especially since so many of these states are next to other states with laxer gun laws and they're going to bring that to wherever they plan to yeah and that's like what we said last week and that we always say is that like it has to come from federal legislation it has to be a nationwide ban because for us to try and assume that like assault weapons bans in california aren't doing anything see look at all these shootings it's like well we have states nearby that don't have those gun laws that you can easily go over the border so i think this is just especially because of these last shootings in california specifically and especially republicans being like look see they have all these gun laws that didn't do anything it's just like such a bigger conversation than that. And that's like what Sam and I say all the time is that it has to come from federal legislation because otherwise it's like you can go get a gun anywhere and go to any right. state you want and perform whatever kind of deadly act you want to do unless we have federal legislation. Totally. And also the laws that also have to be enforced, like the red flag laws, like if you're going to have that, like one of the things that happened with Colorado Springs shootings, like that particular area is known for not actually enforcing red flag. Mm-hmm. So yeah and like by county yeah by county it's different i mean same in california technically like we there's counties in california that also don't enforce the laws that the state has around guns so it's just a mess but we'll continue to continue from this article a common solution from gun rights advocates is allowing people to carry concealed guns without a permit as a means of fighting back against shooters also seems to have little connection to the number of mass shootings according to the study what did work according to the researchers, were state laws requiring permits with fingerprint background checks to own guns. Also effective, at least to some extent, were laws limiting large-capacity magazines for ammunition. The research shows that you're better off focusing on who has those guns rather than what the gun is, said Michael Seeger, professor of public health and community medicine at Tufts University Research's Violence Committed with Guns. Webster's study didn't include so-called red flag laws, which allow authorities to temporarily remove guns from people posing a danger to themselves or others. An associated press analysis last year found that many of the 19 states with such laws rarely use them. A trend, there you go, trend rooted in lack of awareness about the laws and resistance by some authorities. 
AP examined how policymakers are responding to mass shootings that occurred over the past eight months in eight politically diverse states, Democratic-led Colorado, Illinois, and New York, Republican-led Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas, and politically divided North Carolina and Virginia. Yeah, it's like, I highly suggest reading this article because it literally goes through like each state and like their laws and what the, sh- what the shooting in that state was. It's really interesting, especially again, because... Right now, the conversation, because there's specifically California shootings that, you know, it's all about, well, stricter gun laws don't do anything. But this like just runs through how complicated this issue is and how you can dissect things by state or, you know, have policy here in the state or policy here in the state. It's like it has to be federal. It has to sweep across the land to really get a solution. Um, Totally. You know what I think it actually kind of um, uh, parallels a little bit is like civil rights laws of like the mm-hmm. 60s. Like the only way any enforcement of that was going to happen was if the laws happened at the federal level. And now what we've seen with like the peeling back the layers of like the Voting Rights Act mm-hmm. is in states where there very much needed to be a federal enactment of laws. We've yep. seen chipping and chipping away at those rights in those states because so distinctly those states could not handle for themselves actually giving people and protecting everyone's rights totally and it's very much the same thing here like i i see an interesting parallel between yeah and i'm interested to see kind of also where it this conversation goes from here i hope that you know, we won't stop talking about this and find trying to find solutions. But it's like, again, specific, because this now conversation has shifted to like, see, strict gun laws don't work. Look in California, three shootings in one week. Like, it could hopefully shift the conversation. Maybe like only silver lining, only hopeful thing is like, maybe it could be pointed back to being like, no, this is why we need federal legislation. So. I Yeah, I agree. We'll see. We'll, we can. We will also always encourage calling your reps, House and Senate, to. Oh, this is what I meant to mention in this yeah. exact lens and lane is that Patty Murray is supposedly reintroducing a federal um, assault weapons ban. I don't know. I saw. I yeah, think I saw, I saw it on Friday. Yeah, it was either Thursday or Friday. It was last week. She tweeted about it. But I haven't seen, I then went to congress.gov, which you can always check out for bills you hear about. And I didn't see it up yet, which I will also just say this across the board is, and I'll, I'll ask like some of our friends about this. Stuff is so delayed on getting up there right now. It's crazy. Like I will literally see like so-and-so introduces or reintroduces bill. And then I will go and try and search for it. And it just hasn't been updated yet. Yeah, well, that is exciting to see that that will be introduced. Again, the future of legislation like this is always kind of grim as far as whether it will actually go anywhere, but we can call and try and do our part to make sure it does. So Senate switchboard numbers in the episode description, call your senators and tell them that you want an assault weapons ban and other gun reform legislation. So that's that on that. Those are our top stories, and we'll be talking to you tomorrow with a new interview episode. 
Speaking of tomorrow's interview episode, we'll be having Define Americans Director of Digital Storytelling, Shauna Siglow. So make sure to tune in. Tune in, tune in. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Subscribe, rate, review. Subscribe on YouTube. And never forget that one of the best action items you can do is make sure your friends stay civically engaged and you have an amazing resource to send along to people. Here's Girl on the Gov. Sharing that with your friends is a great civic action item to do to encourage civic engagement amongst your friends. So do that. And we'll be talking to you all. One other thing before we're talking to you all tomorrow (laughs) is in the civic engagement, keeping yourselves and your friends up to date. We have now made the GovHub newsletter a every other week fiesta. So sign up, go to girlonthegov.com, a little email sign up will pop up. Send your name and your email there and we will make sure you're subscribed. That newsletter has lots of action items, back on your bill shit details, bookmarkables, events, things like that. So stay up to date with that in your inbox every other week. If you guys like it so much, maybe we'll make it every week. But for now, it's every other week. So make sure you sign up. And until tomorrow, toodaloo. Toodaloo. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.